0: It's Wednesday night again, and we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, chapter 29 is where we're at. Now, I'm going to uh, share with you something, a a neat fact about the Bible. On Sunday, I shared the name of that person who wrote that book, that really big book, and it's got all these different... uh, anomalies all kinds of neat facts about the king james bible and how uh it it would have to be pre-planned a long time ago by somebody way wiser than a person right for these things to fall into place god knowing that when he originally spoke it that one day in the future it would be in this bible that we carry around so here's here's another little thing that I thought was really interesting because you, you have people will ask you know well how did they come up with the books of the Bible you know what if they missed one what if there's supposed to be the book of Enoch in there what if they're you know so they'll bring up these these real writings they're they're out there and say well man just messed up and didn't put this in and that in. And this here shouldn't be there. Why did they put this in here? Let's get uh, Ecclesiastes out of here and let's replace it with something else. All right, so there's 66 books in the Bible. And so that's a significant number, a number you need to pay attention to, 66. And last was it last Wednesday we talked about bondage and Liberty and how bondage is in that word is in the Bible 39 times which happens to be the number of Old Testament books and then Liberty is in the Bible 27 times which happens to be I mean it's just total coincidence that you know it is in the Bible 27 times okay so here's another one that has to do with 39 and 27 uh i remember joseph was watching a teaching where a minister talked about isaiah 60 there's 66 chapters in isaiah and he was showing the significance of chapter one and how when you really get into chapter one it's talking about being disobedient and being kicked out of your land well what happened in genesis adam and eve were disobedient got kicked out of the garden then you go all the way to the end of Isaiah, to 66, and you read that, and it puts you in heaven like Revelation does. and So it's almost like, wow, that matches up really good with the first one and, and the last one. And then this particular preacher, he was able to go through all the books of the Bible and pull something out of that chapter that matched with the books of the Bible in order. Now that was pretty cool. Well, here's another one. That, that, this guy that put this book together, who, who uh, does all these searches, trying to find these things, he said, okay, let's look for 66. What's, where's the first time in your Bible where you come across a chapter that's got 66 verses in it? And, and not, not, no less, no more, but exactly 66 verses. How far into the Bible do you go? And where is that? Do you know? Does anybody know the first time that happens? It's 1 Kings chapter 8. So, 1 Kings chapter 8, if you, if you was to turn there, you'll realize that you have 66 verses in that chapter. So, he said the first four, you know, the first time that something is in the Bible usually has something significant with it. Okay, whether it's just a word or whatever. Okay, so he starts looking through this, trying to see if there's anything in here that would that would help with that argument of should there be sixty six books in the Bible, and he ended up going to verse thirty nine, and verse thirty nine because there's thirty nine Old Testament books. And he ended up counting how many words were in verse 39. And it's exactly 39 words. Isn't that neat? And then when you read that verse, it says, Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. So he's talking talking about God being in heaven. That's where he is. That's, That's his dwelling place, right? And forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, For thou even thou only knowest the hearts of all the children of men. So, he's like, well, let's go to 27. And he looked at 27, and he counted the words, and there's exactly 27 words in that verse. Well, 39 matches up with the Old Testament pretty good. Would this verse match up with something about the New Testament? All the way back here. And listen to what it says. It starts with a question. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? That's New Testament. God, being manifest in the flesh, will be on earth and spend time with us. And that's the question right here. Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have built So, they had built a temple for God to dwell in, but in the future, in the New Testament, when God comes down to the earth as Jesus Christ, then He's going to dwell in us. Anybody who believes on Him, we become the temple. So this house that they built for Him was so small to contain God, and in the future, in the New Testament, He'll dwell in all of his people. Now, that's that's pretty cool. I I just thought that was really interesting, and I just wanted to share it. All right, so now, Deuteronomy. And we're going to start with 29. We finally finished up chapter 28, and that took a while. And I had to try to do some speed reading just to get through it so we can keep moving on. We're getting into some really good stuff at the end of Deuteronomy. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. and Father, we just thank you for all these things that we see. The more we study your word, the more we see that your hand is in it. Father, you preserved it, and we need to be a people who trust you, trust what you say, and believe the Bible with all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord. And as we get into your word tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to see your word and be able to apply it to our life today. And Father, we are just so grateful for all of your many blessings and the opportunities that we have here to come together and worship you. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray, amen. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Okay, so already in this first verse, we see the word covenant twice. So, wonder how many times that word is going to be used in chapter 29. You can keep track if you want. Uh, I don't know if that will be anything significant or not. Actually, I do know, but all right, let's keep reading. And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, Ye have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh and and unto all his servants and unto all his land the great temptations which thine eyes have seen, the signs and those great miracles, yet the Lord hath not given you an heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. Now that matches up. So if you go all the way over to Romans, chapter 11, Paul is referring to this verse right here. There's a whole lot of people in the New Testament that refer back to the book of Deuteronomy. We already know that Jesus did that. And now we see an example of what Paul did, talking about the nation of Israel and how uh, you know, their eyes have been blinded, their ears have been deafened. You know, all these things happen to the nation of Israel, and part of the reason is is to provoke them to jealousy. When the nations of the world, the Gentile nations, end up being accepted by God in the New Testament. And then that is to get Israel to wake up and to come back to God. All right? So that is the plan. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. So they've been wandering around for 40 years. I mean, it's a matter of days to get to where they were supposed to go, and they turned it into a 40-year journey. And look, look at what happens. And, and we talked about it before, all the things that God did for them that they should have realized, they should have remembered and been very grateful. Well, here's another, another some, some more examples of some miraculous things that have happened. It says, your clothes are not waxing old upon you. So their clothes didn't wear out in all that time. And thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. All that walking they did in their shoes were able to uh, last. And then six, Ye have not eaten bread, neither have ye drunk wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord your God. So they were constantly on the move, So they wouldn't plant a wheat field because they wouldn't be there. By the time it came to harvest, they would be way away from there. Well, maybe they would have made another circle around and and came back to it. I don't know. But the point is that they did not raise grain to make their own bread. They didn't plant a vineyard to where they can make wine, but yet they got the things they needed by miracles of God so does that mean that you shouldn't do anything and you should just wait on blessings to fall down on you absolutely not we are to take care of ourselves and take care of our families and we should have a desire to do that and when ye came into this place Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us unto battle, and we smote them. And we took their land and gave it for an inheritance unto the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Because they stayed on the other side. They didn't go over. But anyway, that land that they took from them they were able to give it to some of the tribes. Keep, therefore, the words of this covenant. I don't know if you're counting how many times covenant. And do them that ye may prosper in all that ye do. Now, what is this covenant that he keeps talking about? Now, he said that at the very first verse it said that Moses is commanding these people to make a covenant in the land of Moab. So they are almost, they are very, very close to going into the promised land. So this is a covenant that's being set up, and in in my Bible, it it calls it a Palestinian covenant. But there was another covenant, it it says in in verse 1, it says, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. So, is this different? So there's, there's, some people will say these are basically the same, but I think it's a bit of a difference in it. There are a certain number of dispensations, but there's a little bit more covenants. They don't necessarily match up perfectly, but most of them do. But there's a little bit of variance in there. So just keep thinking about that, and we're going to hopefully get into some of those covenants, the different ones, and try to get these kind of in their right place. But just remember that they're about ready to go into the land that was promised a long time ago. Now Abraham, when you go back to him, that would be that covenant of promise. And now they're finally coming to that promise, as far as the land is, is uh, uh, as far as the, the, the promised land, being able to take possession of it. But there's a lot more in that Abraham covenant that um, is going to come in the future. So there's bits and pieces of all the covenants that are pointing to something that's going to happen in the future. And hopefully we'll get to get into some of those. Keep, therefore, the words of this covenant, this is nine, and do them that ye may prosper in all that ye do. Notice, ye is home to all the people, individually. You need to pay attention to this. Each and every one of you need to pay attention to this. It's it's for each and every person. He's not necessarily talking about just your nation. It's like every person has a responsibility now, there are places where we have read in Deuteronomy where the focus was on the nation. But here, it's more focused on the individuals that are going to be going in. And it's very important that when, when, a, when you're reading the Bible, you take it personally. It's for you. When you hear a sermon preached, it's for you individually. It's to the whole group, but to everyone individually as well. And if you don't do, if you don't receive the Word of God, if you don't receive His instruction individually, you could have just one person not obeying God in this situation would cause major trouble for the whole nation. So we've got to think, you've got to think about this. You know, we have become a nation that is very tolerant. We're supposed to be tolerant. We're supposed to be forgiving of everything and accepting of everything. So we become a nation that is extremely tolerant of all kinds of stuff that the Bible condemns. And when we say, well, you know what, it's, that's their business, If they want to sin like that, let them do it. Well, there's a great danger in that. When you allow sin to stay in, whatever the situation might be, you might be talking about uh, just a church setting, and you allow sin to come in, that can mess up everything about this church. If you allow those things to come into your country, you know, we see it in certain cities that they become very lenient on sinful things, and what happens? It gets worse and worse and worse. And not only the bad people suffer, but all the innocent people suffer too. The people who haven't done wrong, they suffer. Um, there's a, there is a... We got... Uh, People running for president. They're, they're, we're trying to find uh, a candidate that will run on one the Republican side. So we got all these candidates that are trying to get to where they'll win the primary, and you listen to them talk, and there's one particular one that is being very lenient on abortion just to get elected, just so that that side can get more votes and get elected. And what they don't seem to understand is that God expects each and every one of those people who are in a leadership position, they are supposed to see the innocent blood being led to the slaughter, and they're supposed to stand up and fight against that. That's what they're supposed to do. What they don't understand is they're causing the country to come under the cursings of God by having that attitude of, oh well, we can't get into their business. They'll they'll say, I'm just so pro-life. Me personally, I'm so pro-life. But you know what? If that woman wants to have an abortion, who's to say we we should stop her? Well, you're allowing the Curses of God to fall on this land because of the innocent blood that is shed. And Moses is trying to get every person to understand how important it is that they get this. So I would like to walk up to that particular person and tell them, look, you one day are going to stand before your Lord. And you are going to fall down in shame by how you lived on this earth. When you had opportunity in front of the whole nation to stand up for what was right, you didn't. No fear of God. No fear of consequences of your actions. So, a good example. If we ever get past Deuteronomy... I don't know when that will ever happen, but one of these days. And if we get into Joshua, when you get to chapter 7 of Joshua, that's the story of of, uh, Achan. Is it Achan? Hmm? I can't hear you. Yes, at Jericho. They were told not to take anything. And if they took anything out of that city and kept it for themselves and hid it, that would be an accursed thing. And if you go there, we need to turn there. Uh, you need to see how it is written, actually written. Joshua 7. Now here this is what let me tell you what happened. They defeated Jericho by all the walls falling down. They didn't do anything. They just walked around the wall. They just obeyed God perfectly, did exactly what He said, and the walls fell down, and then they, walked in, and they weren't to take anything for themselves. There was only certain things that they could take, but that had to go into, you know, like for the, for the uh, worship service type thing. I mean, it was, it was only for God. One person out of all those who knows how many people there were, a bunch, all of those people, one person, his name is Achan, one person did wrong and took one. Now look at how the wording is in chapter 7 of Joshua. It says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. What do you mean, the children of Israel? It was only one. And then go down to uh, 11. Those, all right, so what happens after this? is they before we get to 11 if you read the rest of this they go to fight this little tiny city called ai which was supposed to be a piece of cake i mean after jericho which was looked like no way you're going to defeat that if you were thinking about that on a human level that ain't going to work but it worked because they followed god's way and now they don't realize it but somebody has messed up one person and they go to ai and they turn and run in fear, and people die in the battle. The nation of Israel, they die. And Joshua is just doesn't understand what is going on. What happened? Now, look at 11. It says, this is Joshua chapter 7, verse 11. It says, Israel hath sinned. That's what's wrong. One person. But yet Israel has sinned. And they have they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled uh, also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. So, are you going to tell me that if there's one person sinning, that is no big deal? It affects everyone. Back over to Deuteronomy 29. Verse 10, Ye stand this day, all of you, before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders... And your officers with all the men of Israel. Those are all leadership positions. That's why I went on that little rant about the people who are running for president. They're supposed to be bigger and better than that. Eleven, your little ones. Remember, we were talking about how many times children is in the Bible. And then I said, there's a whole bunch of little ones that you can add to the list and how many times it's mentioned. Your little ones, your wives, and thy stranger that is in thy camp, from the hewer of thy wood unto the drawer of thy water, that thou shouldest enter into the covenant, there's another covenant, another time it's used, same covenant, but a different word, Uh, with the Lord thy God, and... "...into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God, as he hath said unto thee, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath. But with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. So it's, it's not just for you. It's, and if you don't get this right, the people who come after you won't be able to get this right. For you know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nations which ye passed by, and ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. If you're right with God, so let's say today, you have a true born-again experience with the Lord. All these things of the world, you're going to be repulsed by it. If you liked doing certain sins, when you have a true salvation experience, you become a new creature in Christ, and those sinful things will bother you. And they will even get to the point where you just can't stand it anymore. You should change. 18, lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. So if you allow people to go in those directions and follow after sinful things, that's what ends up happening. It's a rot that gets inside and it eats away until it destroys you. And it... And it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. So, you know, to, to a person, they think that everything's fine, and they, just, they, can, they get worse. They, they'll start with a little bit, they just kind of uh, dabble in it. Oh, a little bit won't hurt. I'll just do it this one time. And then the next thing you know, it's got you. And, it, and you get deeper and deeper into it, whatever that sin may be. There's many different ones. <clears throat> 20. The Lord will not spare him, but then, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law, so that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses which the Lord hath laid upon it, and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning, that it is not sown nor beareth, nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboan, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. You know, people forget that God gets very angry when people turn from him, ignore him, follow after other little g-gods, get into idol worship, and fall into horrible sin, and that becomes the way of life, and all the little innocent ones suffer for it. God gets very angry. Read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Read it. Even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of this great anger? Notice the words. You have smoke that I just read over in 20, and now you've got this burning, brimstone Salt will burn your eyes. Uh, and now you've got this heat. Sound familiar? Does that, is that describing something? Then men shall say, because they have forsaken the covenant, there it is again, of the Lord, the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods, notice little g-gods, and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, and whom he had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land, see, the land, to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger, and in wrath, and in great indignation, and cast them into another land as it is this day. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Yeah, there are things that you, don't, you may not understand. There are things that we cannot explain but there's a whole bunch of stuff that we do get from God. And what happens is, you know, we are very tempted to start looking into the secret things of God, right? You'll see certain people will get into the Christian uh, faith, And they will all of a sudden start looking into those things that are secret things, trying to figure out all these things. You've seen it throughout history, you know. Oh, I figured out when the Lord's coming back, and they and they got all this uh, equation they'll write out, and this is why it's going to happen here and there, and then it never happens, and then they die and go away, and then the next person does it, you know, and they get all wrapped up into things they can't figure out when God has given you a whole book here that you can figure out. And you'll ignore that and get caught away. And, and, And Satan's sitting over there laughing, watching you get off track, trying to figure out things you have no business looking into. Like angels. People will become fascinated with angels, and there are people who try to figure out who their guardian angel is so they can be in contact with them and pray to them. Now, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you, you might have a guardian angel, but you have no business communicating with them. So I think that's what that means. So when you get to uh, the very end of this, how many times did you see the word covenant? Huh? Seven. Seven. Yep. Remember, if you don't know the answer, always say seven first. You've got a real good chance of being right. So, all right, now how many covenants are there in the Bible? Huh? Anybody know? All right, so you see seven right here. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say that. You see it mentioned seven times in this one chapter. So there are seven covenants talked about throughout the Old Testament. But then there's one in the New Testament, and that is, The New Covenant. That's eight. So what's the significance of number eight? New beginnings. So if it's a new covenant, would it make sense to be the eighth one? Yeah. And where do we read about that? In the New Testament, you know what book? I'll give you a hint. It's what we've been studying for the last several Sundays. Hebrews. And... When we talked about this on Sunday, when we got to this portion of Scripture, I showed you how, isn't it interesting that when you get to where the New Testament, it actually says, uh, look in chapter 8 and verse 8, and it says, For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Wow. It happens to be Hebrews 8, 8. And it's the eighth covenant, and it's the number of new beginnings, and it's a new covenant. So what are, what are the, uh, the covenants? let's just go over them real quick <clears throat> so you have the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve in the garden that's known as innocence also a dispensation it you know uh, a lot of people are scared of the word dispensation well that just mean all that means is that's the way God dealt with that people in that time So that covenant was also a dispensational period. God dealt with Adam and Eve very different than he's dealt with anybody else since then. They blew it. All right, so then that covenant was over with. If they would have done what was right. Oh, and also in that, in the fall, right after that, that would be the next covenant that he would have to make. Think about this. All right, what's the next covenant? the covenant with Adam, and then you get a very, very significant prophecy in Genesis 3, was it 15? So it's something to look forward to, but that was the covenant made with Adam. So you had the the Eden Garden of Eden covenant, then you had the covenant with Adam, and then after that, you have the covenant with noah you have the human government and then after that one you have the covenant with abraham and that's the one of promise and then you have the mosaic covenant and then you're going to have that one we're talking about in deuteronomy uh, right before they go into the promised land which which in here they call it the Palestinian Covenant. And then you after that, you have the Covenant with David, which sets up the kingly line for Christ to sit on the throne of David. And then, of course, the last one is going to be the New Covenant. But you, but you have, see, you, the different dispensations, you've got the Millennial Kingdom, um, that goes along with the New Covenant. And it's just a different period of time uh, that we're looking forward to after the dispensation. I guess it would be the dispensation. Well, your your dispensation of law came to an abrupt halt when Jesus died, When, when when the people took the king You know, people have a tough time today trying to differentiate with uh, these different dispensations and these different kingdoms. The Bible talks a lot about kingdoms. So you'll have uh, the kingdom of heaven, and John the Baptist said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was that king. If they would have accepted him and put him on the throne of David, then that kingdom of heaven would have actually been established. But there was a plan that was hidden it was a mystery that that was going to fall apart so that the kingdom of God would become available to everyone so if you go back and study the different dispensations the different covenants and um, those those things you'll you'll start to see how it all plays out and how you have to be blinded to not see some of those things. And I don't, And that's, that's some things that I can't figure out. There's plenty of Jews that figured it out when Jesus was here and after he died and was resurrected. And there's all kinds of people that were added into the church. It was nothing but Jews that were being added to the church for a period of time until Cornelius was visited. And then the Gentiles started coming in, and it all started to play out. So, you know, we, when you read your Bible, you have to understand a lot, a lot of those things for it to make sense. You, you hear a lot of people say, well, the Bible just doesn't make sense. And I've heard enough people on uh, podcasts and YouTube channels that try to explain the Bible, and no wonder people are confused because they don't see these different things. They can't see it. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't—they haven't figured out the new covenant and they believe on Jesus with all their heart, and they do, and they're saved because they're washed in the blood, but they don't, they don't know how to get past certain things in their New Testament because they don't understand what's different. They don't understand that the time of the Gentiles is going to run out and then something very significant is going to happen and there's going to be that kingdom that Jesus came to set up. That is going to happen. And they end up spiritualizing stuff and making excuses here and there and, well, that means this and, and, and that over there means that. And, and, they, and then the, a lot of times they just skip over stuff because they don't know how to handle it. And, and I notice it. I notice what they're doing, and I'm like, I know why they're skipping that, so uh, don't be afraid of the word of God, read it, if there's something you don't understand, it seems like a contradiction, it's not, I'll promise you that, it's not, and uh, you can trust it with all your heart, and uh, if you have any questions about any of it, I would love to talk to you about it, so just get with me and let me know, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, help us to understand your word. Help us to have you know, a heart that is open to you, that trusts you in everything. And Father, that we would have eyes where we can see and ears so that we can hear. And Father, we just, we just want to know you more. We want to be better able to communicate your way to others. People who may not know you yet, Father, we need to reach out to those people, introduce Jesus to them. And Father, we just need your help in doing so. And Father, we just want to obey your every word, do it your way and not our way. In Christ's name we pray, amen.